Hey, we just wrapped up this conversation with Andrew Gould, liturgical artist and architectural designer. And I'm sitting here with Riley. We get a chance this season to kind of process and reflect back on the conversations that we get to have with these incredible people who are practitioners in these spaces, thought leaders in these spaces, people with stories that can help us learn and explore enchanted reality. And again, that definition, uh, the totality of all things created, including uh, the seen and the unseen realms, and that the story is much bigger, much thicker. And so um, we just get, we literally just finished the conversation. Riley, listening to Andrew, I want to know from you, we, we talked about how these big ideas of architecture at play in our cities, but how also mm. built the places that we build uh, end up shaping us. What did you take away from listening to Andrew just right away, right off the top? Yeah, uh, I mean, Andrew, the conversation was great, especially for me as somebody who's in the background of, you know, production and the technical arts, specifically my background, you know, experiences in the church realm. So comparing, you know, more of the structural side of it, getting to hear his perspective as an architect who builds the whole building compared to somebody in my area who I work with people who design specific rooms. And so getting to kind of hear the broad, you know, the bigger design side was really cool for me personally. And that's where I got a real connection. Um, and that's what kind of drew, drew me more in as we were, were uh, having the conversation with him. Um, but there was one point um, towards the end of the podcast where he was talking about the, you asked him to dive more into the medieval city and, and like the beauty and just the, the natural beauty in that. And uh, he said, I think he, he had said um, like beauty like some to have a beautiful creation, it has to have good and bad. Like a be- like the medieval city had good and bad in it, and instantly right there, like my mind went straight to the connection of enchanted reality. You know, uh, reality with you know the seen and the unseen, some good, some evil, and that's where like I was like, okay, boom, this guy. You know, he talked multiple times about life and beauty, and I was just like, this is right up. Like he's a great guest to have, and it just drew so many connections for me. You know, with all the different terminology and you know, values and stuff we have, you know, here at B3 and Lab the Podcast. So those were like, that was the probably the biggest connection I had and takeaway where I was like, how enchanted reality, you know, goes into even just the natural beauty of, you know, architectural design and, and buildings and stuff like that. Yeah, it's wild to think about. And medieval architecture specifically is helps see that story of a scene in an unseen reality. And walking in a city where the buildings, again, that Churchill quote is so good. And I appreciate Mike Metzger, you know, framing that for us when we were thinking about, and as we think about building the conservatory, that uh, first we shape our buildings and thereafter they shape us. And if we build buildings that don't give recognition to the reality that we live in a world with a seen and an unseen reality, that there is this enchanted backdrop. Uh, If we're not building with that in mind, then those buildings without that in mind are going to shape us. Mm -hmm. And I think we all feel it. You hit it on the head, and it was tough to hear from the church space. And again, we're Andrew's uh, a Christian, Eastern Eastern Orthodox Christian, and uh, has a high, high view of the church, and is an architectural designer, and said, hey, the church has some thinking to do, because we tend to be terrible at this, Mm -hmm. especially in the modern era, 
we don't maybe give enough thought, especially outside the Orthodox churches who understand that the space itself is liturgical, and I'll get to a definition of that in a second. But I love what you're saying, just that there, it's an invitation to thoughtfulness for all of us who participate in life together as the church, to think about the spaces that we inhabit and how we inhabit those spaces, because as he said, the, 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 the very space that we're in is preaching. It's pointing to a source of beauty or not. Yeah, I, I mean, as you're talking, I, I'd like to honestly see like a survey with people like in our generation of, uh, you know, what the first thing comes to their mind when they think of a church from, uh, you know, a sort of design sort of factor. And to be honest, the first thing I think of, you know, that somebody my age and in my generation would think of is like, oh, it's, you know, that white building. And it's like, is that really what we want, you know, churches, like the physical building of the church to be known for? It's like, no, we want it to be known for something that's beautiful, you know, and transcending. And it's like, if that's kind of, in my mind, that's the, the resonating thing for me right now with, you know, having a lot of friends and being in, in this generation. I'd like to see kind of more of what the thought is. That's my first inst- instinct of what people my age would think of, and maybe that's wrong, but when I think of it, it's like most churches in, that I grew up around when I was younger, I would be like, oh yeah, church, it's that white building, you know? And it's like, there's so much, there should be so much more beauty and transcending to it, you know? Yeah, man. No, I think ask that question. That's a great question to ask. And even in Tampa, here we are in Tampa, you think about our city, and that dome uh, from First Baptist, and it's an architectural part of our city. If you deleted that from our city, uh, just think if you delete the HB Plant Museum mm-hmm. and that First Baptist dome, our city would, there, there would be a complete impoverishment of that whole section. Yeah. And you think about the churches that are disappearing, they're being torn down, the, the big tall steeples, the presence downtown of some of those churches that are just giving way to big square box high rises. There's an element there that that I think is a good conversation for not just your generation, but all of us to have of, uh, have we been thoughtful enough? We talk about embodied faith, but just the contribution that the church can make with our buildings themselves telling this broader story that there's something else. So I think ask the question, and all of us who are in church need to be uh, just continuing to chew on that. A quick definition, you know, we talk about liturgical artist. What does that even mean? Uh, some of that has been lost, but just liturgy, the the practice of worship, these these practices, the sacraments that we um, hold dear in the church life. A liturgical artist is really the artist who is is crafting elements that will be used in our worship, in our in the in the um, different aspects of our worship, whether it's communion or in stained glass windows or in the actual pulpits that hold Bibles, there's the altars, all of these different elements that the church placed there, knowing that they themselves would tell a story, right? The liturgical artist is the person who's a craftsperson dedicated to creating beautiful elements that will be used in the worship service. And so, um, you think about that contribution of beauty versus just pragmatism. Could we set communion up on a plastic folding table? Well, of course we could. But, but are we inviting people to enter into not just the, the taking of something, but to the story that we're entering into? You think about your own table at your own home, you know, the, the spaces we curate when we have friends for dinner. 
or thoughtful about that environment. I'd be less likely mm-hmm. to set that table on a plastic folding table. Well, why? Because I don't. That's not the story I'm telling. Well, the liturgical artist helps us think about what are we participating in, and how can we make a, how can we contribute something beautiful that helps us engage or mediate that story in a way. So I think that's just if you're listening, liturgical artist. Even the idea of pragmatism and efficiency, just trying to go from point A to point B in the most efficient and quickest, lowest cost manner. Um, it's interesting, but there's a cost to that. And some of the cost has been on the human side uh, for us. Yeah, that's good. Hey, if nothing else, uh, one of the things that I, I loved on his website was just steering clear of cold perfection. And I cannot tell you how many times. You know, how, how, listen to me, honestly, if we're being honest, like, and I know picture quality is, is gone crazy, Mm -hmm. but I mean, how many times do you take 17 different pictures of yourself because your smile's just not a hundred percent perfect, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Steer clear of cold perfection. What we're curating, and he talks about it in city planning, he says this fascist imposition of perfection. Uh, that, that nothing can be out of order, nothing can be less than cold perfectionism. Well, we've taken that same idea and we've put that ba- burden on ourselves. So when I want to send a picture of my time at whatever park with my friends, we have to retake that seven different times because we have to curate this thing. And I loved his invitation to steer clear of cold perfection because the organic thing has a sense of beauty. We've just trained our eyes to see it in a curated way, rather than that more, what he would say, that medieval town way that was just, it it sprung up and it has the natural elements of structure. Your jaw has structure. Um, So I love that. Yeah. When you restate it in that perspective, it definitely brings even more resonance to me as well, you know, with uh, just thinking like a production values for me, that's very high thing in, in my area. And so just, you know, always having the mindset of, you know, not everything's going to be perfect. And that's a huge thing that, you know, uh, me and, and others that are in technical arts know that, that we're not going to be able to create the perfect, you know, video. We're not going to be able to create the perfect sounding podcast, that kind of thing. And so just, you know, that, that reminder always and hearing it, even in another perspective like that is always great to hear for us. Yeah. And, and especially from a guy who advocates highest and best. I mean, mm-hmm. he's saying, bring your best craftsmanship, bring yep. your best artistic eye, bring all these things. And leave room at the end for that reality that it's made by human hands. And there's going to be an element of imperfection that actually is a nod to beauty. So all good, man. I love these after conversations. I love the time to, to kind of digest, to think about it. I know everybody else is. I would love to hear from people. Like if you've yeah. got a thought that was, that was provoked or a, an idea, a pushback, a question, um, I would invite you send it in. Uh, even definitions. I, I have a great yeah. friend who's a, a PhD. We've interviewed him on the podcast. He told a story about his grandma, and he said that his grandma had a had a very early uh, educational life, and then it stopped uh, abruptly, and she just never pursued higher education beyond that. And he said that when she would read, she would read with a dictionary uh, because she had to translate, she had to interpret, she had to get definitions of words. And he had such, here's a guy with a high PhD and he's, he's chairing a, a great books program at a college. And his, his admiration for his grandma was that's what it looks like to learn. 
and it's beautiful. So don't, don't apologize. If you're listening to these podcasts and you're like, I don't know what that word was. I need a definition. Write to us, send us an email, message us, hit us up because this is good. Uh, it's part of the conversation. So think about beauty, uh, think about order, think about the fact that place matters. And we'll just leave it with Winston Churchill. First, we shape our buildings and thereafter they shape us. That's something to chew on.